0: Part Three, Chapter Fourteen A of Organic Evolution. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K Hand. Organic Evolution by Richard Swan Law. Chapter Fourteen A. Recapitulation. Racial old age extinctions. Recapitulation. The celebrated german savant ernest haeckel conceived and set forth in the form of a law the wonderful similarity which exists between the life history of any organism and the evolutionary history of the race of beings to which it belongs this principle usually known as haeckel's biogenetic law morphogenesis of hyatt may be stated as follows the life history of the individual ontogeny gives a brief resume of the evolutionary history of the race phylogeny or more briefly ontogeny repeats phylogeny while this is in the main true the phylogenetic record may be falsified in ontogeny in several ways just as any historical document may lack certain important portions through the accidental or intentional mutilation of the volume or may have spurious chapters added thereunto by a later hand in some instances the results remind one of the palimpsests ancient parchments from which the work of an older scribe has been erased and over the almost indecipherable traces of the ancient writing a new penman has engrossed an inscription of later date where the record is essentially correct in recounting their orderly sequence the historical events we may compare it to palagenesis in which truly ancestral characters conserved by heredity are reproduced in development The introduction of spurious matter may be likened to kynogenesis, wherein non-primitive characters make their appearance in consequence of secondary adaptation of the young to the peculiar conditions of its environment. The elimination of certain chapters finds its parallel in tachygenesis, the acceleration of characters which are crowded back further and further into the embryonic life or out of the life cycle entirely. Palingenesis. When one considers the millions of years of evolutionary life which have fallen to the lot of all organisms, if, as we believe, they have all evolved out of one primal creation of life, and compares those to untold ages with the brief span of individual existence, he will see that the record is necessarily so greatly abridged as to make a perfect recapitulation practically impossible. Nevertheless, the metamorphosis undergone by the common frog may be taken as a fairly typical instance of the palingenesis, as there is little evidence in its life history, except in the development of certain larval organs, such as the adhesive suckers, of any material falsification of the record. The same may also be true of the ontogeny of the lower insects, but as soon as forms like the moths are considered, especially such as have highly adapted larvae, e.g. certain of the mimicking forms, it is at once evident that chynogenesis has been at work. Chynogenesis Among the inchworms, or geometrid larvae, protective mimicry is common, the creature being elongated and twig-like, in form, in color, and in its attitude when disturbed, for it throws itself out rigidly at an angle with the supporting branch to which it is attached, by the hook-bearing prop legs at the hinder end of its body. This is clearly an adaptation to meet the vicissitudes of larval life, and the whole insect is very different from the form of a primitive species such, for instance, as the fish moth, the pisma, or campodea, the simplest living insect then too the pupa state of the geometrid in which the insect passes into a condition of quiescence and the marvellous transformation into the adult takes place can have no precise parallel in the history of the race for it is inconceivable that a long period of racial dormancy during which the evolution of wings was accomplished could ever have occurred Tachogenesis is the rule in ontogeny and instances might be cited ad libitum but certain of the frogs and toads may again be taken as typical instances for while in most of them the eggs hatch out in the water and the young undergo the typical palinogenic development mentioned above others show all degrees of the suppression of larval stages until metamorphosis is practically eliminated and development from egg to frog is direct in some the eggs hatch on land having been laid in holes on grass or leaves and when the tadpoles are hatched they wriggle into water or are washed into pools by the rain in others again the eggs are laid on land and the tadpoles have lost their gills before they are hatched but the metamorphosis is completed later on in a few the complete change occurs inside the egg and when hatching takes place little frogs appear sometimes however with a stump of the tail still left in others the eggs are carried by the parent and here too they may be hatched as tadpoles or as perfect frogs mitchell yet another remarkable life history wherein the strict phylogeny is departed from is that of ichthyophus one of the gymnophiona of the class amphibia these are curious burrowing snake-like forms with neither tail nor limbs but which despite their degenerate specialization seem to have inherited more of the characteristics of their ancient stegocephalian forebears than have any other living amphibians The female of a species which lives in Ceylon and breeds just after the spring monsoon digs a hole close to the surface near running water where the ground is moist. Here she lays about two dozen eggs, around which she coils herself, probably to protect them against other burrowing lizards and snakes, which are very numerous. During the period of incubation, if such it may be called, the eggs swell to twice their former size and the mature embryo weighs four times as much as the newly laid egg. The embryo has external gills, which however have lost their primal function of respiration and have become nutritive as they move up and down in the fluid of the egg. The lateral line sense organs to develop, organs of prime importance to all aquatic vertebrates, but here functionless while within the egg, which may also be said of the fin developed by the short tail. When the embryo has reached a length of about seven centimeters the gills begin to shrink and at the same time one pair of gill clefts appears at the base of the third external gill when the larvae are hatched the gills are lost and the young animal takes to the water in a gillless state although at the bottom of the aperture on either side two gill arches may be seen and the larva frequently comes to the surface to breathe the lateral sense organs and tail fin now fulfill an important function the creatures seem to live a long time in the larval stage but at last the gill clefts close the tail fin is lost the skin assumes a totally new structure and the fish-like larva turns into a burrowing creature which readily drowns when forced to remain in the water in this instance the most striking tachygenetic features are the crowding of the gills which might well be of material service to the aquatic larvae back into the embryonic stage and their assumption of a different role and the total elimination of any trace of legs from the life history although the gymnophiona must have been descended from ancestors possessed of limbs the racial cycle Students of fossil forms, especially of the mollusks, have come to recognize a series of definite stages in their phylogenetic career comparable to those of the typical life cycle discussed in Chapter 8. These are as follows. Ontogeny Epacme Embryonic Adolescent Acme Adult Paracme Senescent Epacme Nepionic Neonic Acme Ephebic Paracme, gerontic. Phylogeny, epacme, phylonepionic, phylogenic, acme, phylophobic, paracme, phylogerontic. If the life cycle be represented by a curve, the ascending limb will include the nepionic and neonic, or what might be called the epacme during the acme the summit of the curve is reached and the organism is in the full fruition of its powers the paracme is the period of decadence when the organism's failing strength is represented by the descending curve terminating in death shells of mollusks especially of gastropods and cephalopods preserve the ontogenetic characters often in a single specimen better perhaps than the remains of any other group and have as a consequence lent themselves especially to students of this interesting problem notably the American paleontologists Hyatt, Beecher, Grabau, Jackson, and J.P. Smith. Not only is this true of mollusks, but in a more or less complete degree of brachiopods, echinoderms, and corals. And many of the gastropods and cephalopods especially, a single shell of an old individual may have preserved a record of all the changes it has undergone during the animal's lifetime. Thus, we can find at the apex of the coil the tiny embryonic shell, or protoconch, then the nenic portion formed during the animal's youth simpler perhaps in ornamentation than the adult or ephibic section when the height of development of all the features ridges bosses spines or complexity of suture characteristic of the species is attained then the gerontic or senescent portion is seen recognizable by an increasing simplicity comparable to that of the nenic shell but retrogressive rather than progressive in the assumption of characters furthermore it has been proved by paleontologists that the several stages shown in the development of a given shell reflect the adult condition of more ancient forms presumably ancestral thus the living nautilus the sole survivor of a formerly abundant group of cephalopods has a closely coiled shell but the earlier cephalopods had not and coiling was gradually assumed and sometimes secondarily lost in phylogerontic types in the course of its development however nautilus passes through arcuate loose-coiled then close-coiled stages directly comparable to the adults of the paleozoic genera cyrtercerus and gyrocerus and the later nautilus representatives of its own group Another highly evolved cretaceous cephalopod the aminoid placentoceras pacificum is characterized in the adult by complex sutures the lines of juncture of the transverse partitions or septa which separate the chambers of the cell and its outer wall in the development of its sutures the individual shell passes through simpler stages which are comparable to the adult structures of the nautiloid angoniatic forms followed by stages in which the septa are comparable to those of early ammonites before it assumes its adult generic features in The lamp shells or brachiopods the spirally wound buccal mouth Arms which serve for food getting usually have an internal limey support which is an outgrowth of the inner wall of the shell Beecher and others have shown that the stages in development of the exterior and interior of the shell and the brachial arm supports can be closely correlated with adult characters of more primitive representatives in the group as has been said while stages in development from the young to the adult are all progressive in senescence the stages that appear are in the main retrogressive nautiloids and ammonoids which are characterized by close-coiled shells build loose-coiled or even uncoiled additions specialized ammonites with complex septa in senescence build simple septa thus assuming simpler characters comparable to those seen in their own youth and also comparable to the characters of adults in regressive degenerating series in their own groups see chapter twenty six while shell-bearing invertebrates thus lend themselves admirably to the study of recapitulation vertebrates as a rule do not for the skeleton changing as it does with age gives only the characteristics of the owner at the moment of death and one can rarely learn much of the ontogeny from a single individual or the portion of an individual such as is usually available for study nevertheless where several individuals of a species are known as of deer especially if the ages of their passing differed enough may be learned to show that the law of recapitulation holds with them as with the invertebrates persistently primitive types Both plants and animals in nature, as under domestication, show a remarkable variation in plasticity, so that while in the great majority time has wrought wonderful evolutionary changes, with a few it is as though the world stood still and the ceaseless centuries passed over them without effect. In some cases isolation in a remote place, where interspecific competition has largely diminished, is doubtless the cause of their changeless survival. Others are in the thick of the strife but seem to be immune to the influence of changing conditions such for example are amoeba and the simpler protozoa and unicellular plants doubtless relics from the remote proterozoic age unless as seems hardly probable life evolved from the lifeless more than once and these are the primitive stages of a later creation orbaluna and globigerina two foraminiferal protozoa are known from the orvidicean and doubtless existed long before while among the brachiopoda, one relic type is Lingula and another Crania, both dating also from the Ordovician and persisting practically without change until the present. Nautilus, mentioned above, has persisted from the Tertiary and the family to which it belongs from the Jurassic. Of the vertebrates, an extremely old type is the lungfish Ceratodus, of which a modern derived genus neoceratidus is now found isolated in certain australian rivers and which dates from the triassic the ancient port jackson shark cestracion has persisted since the jurassic and members of its family are found in lower carboniferous rocks in many respects the most interesting relic of all is the tuatera hetaria resident on certain small islands bordering the mainland of new zealand a permian type although somewhat modified from its paleozoic ancestors Heteria is the sole survivor of an important order of reptiles and is of great value to those who would revivify the creatures of other days because of the flood of light which its structure throws on their probable anatomy. These ancient forms are what are called generalized or primitive as opposed to specialized types for they alone can tarry in their evolution while time rings in its changes. High specialization on the other hand means a relatively brief career. End of chapter 14a